Howdy from the darkest timeline. It's Katie with another PSA. I've actually got two things to say, and it's very similar to our Halloween PSA. The first thing is, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to feel a way about something, be it film, be it your idealistic views, and it's okay to change them. And it's okay to be challenged by the media that is cinema. You nasty fuckers. Let's get on with the show. Friends and loose pill pocket lovers, it's a four-year reference podcast with your host Katie and Doty. Jack in with sentient machines, meta narratives, and deja vu. Jack in with sentient machines, meta narratives, and deja vu. Tilt your head back and open wide as we deconstruct the Matrix films this week. <laughs> How are you feeling, Oti? Oh, I'm excited about this. I am very excited, but not since Godfather have I felt trepidatious about covering particular films. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. Friends and lovers, welcome, welcome, one and all. If this is how you've entered the For Your Reference Matrix, uh, get your Jupiter's cocks ready and welcome. Mm-hmm. Also to say, spoiler, 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 um, you can read all of the, uh, you know, general stats and information. I really just want to get into the tantalizing detail of it all. Um, and there's obviously a lot of trivia tidbits and that sort of thing, but I really want to focus on discussing the entity that has been presented to the world from the beautiful, lovely, ever eternal Wachowskis. Um, and there's, there's so much to pick at. Um, that there's really no need unless you enjoy film history. Shout outs to M, our pod twin from Verbal Diorama. She does that very well. Um, but we're really going to get into some really meaty discussions. So, hoo, 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 OT. Mm. Have you got your adequate amount of loose pill pockets? I do. I've got a lot to say about Morpheus, but we'll definitely come to him and all of the characters. I was I was trying to figure out how to, um, I guess, go about dissecting the the trilogy now quads of it all, um, and they are some very glutinous quads, might I say? Oh. So I'm thinking we do general first impressions on how we felt about each of the films, and then we talk about the themes because that will naturally, you know, draw from you know, the better examples and the not so great examples. And I guess also at the same time, you know, we, we talk a lot about trying to just enjoy the film for what it is, trying to not get too influenced by a lot of the dialogue or, you know, whatever people might be feeling, any sort of umbrages, any sort of Delroy Lindell quarrels people might have. Um, I, I kind of just try to stay within, if I'm going to do extra research, like in our most recent succession episode, it is out of the mouths of the creators. So I, I, I don't see that as cheating. I kind of see it as 
like you're reading a book. So if you haven't read the book, you can still enjoy it, but you're not necessarily going to get that muy caliente, deeply resonating sort of factor. But what I will say is, you know, if we're, if we're getting, if we're kicking off first impressions just generally, I wasn't aware of the transness in mm. the first film in particular, and then obviously um, flowing out into the trilogy. So let's just focus on how we received each film. And then I guess at the end of the first impressions, we can talk about adding those layers and whether it worked or whether it didn't work for you. So how did you feel? Where was a strapping young OT when The Matrix first was introduced to you? How did you feel generally about Matrix? I would love to know if The Matrix had bandwidth in Kenya. Um, um, and how did the first film feel to you? It did have bandwidth. Um, I think back then, Ayang OT was running their own sort of neighborhood video store. So Your blue cinema? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that included. Um, <laughs> but wow, I think the, the time I watched this, I was so taken aback. Everything felt new, mm. fresh, and just the levitating alone, I think it was in the trailers. Because you've talked about Kung Fu and how you enjoyed Kung Fu. So was it kind of... But it of, felt different, you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it yeah. felt It felt new even though we've watched it many a times, mm. you know? But I'm uh, saying the sensation exactly. of when you first watch like a martial arts film, you're like, oh shit, this oh, yeah, is Yeah, shit's going down. Um, but it felt different. And I was so taken aback by everything, the effect. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Keanu then became one of my favorites. Whoa. <laughs> Even before, like, I think that was my introduction to Keanu. Mm-hmm. And what a great introduction you could have to an actor. Yeah, absolutely. And it led me down a rabbit hole of me watching everything that he's ever done afterwards. Seeing what they did to Jada's face in the most recent film was definitely payback for Will Smith not taking Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> we, we we know we know jada be keeping it tight that's not fair <laughs> um first time i've watched the first film it was only recently i would say within the last five years i watched the matrix for the first time and i was absolutely blown away i i loved it it was great i didn't necessarily um again identify that there were parallels to the trans experience. Um, I will talk about it after, but just focusing on watching it for the first time. Um, you know, being a, a, a young brown girl in Australia, being having the, the 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 arms embracing, but also the arms constraining and tethering you to a world of culture, to a world of religion. I definitely felt restricted in particular ways that I could navigate. You weren't molded to move this way. Your decisions are guided, destined by your parents, by your clergy and that sort of thing. So that really resonated with me in the first film. And I guess when when we talk about the concept of the matrix, that's kind of what I was dealing with because as a young girl, as a young woman, as a brown woman, as someone that was brought up in the Mormon church, there were, it, it wasn't necessarily anything about individual personal feelings. It was about upholding the, the traditions and the rules, even if they, they begged to be questioned. Mm. Right. So every time I was experiencing, you know, the red pill, the blue pill sort of situation that resonated to me on that level. Okay. I also like the concept of it being pills 
as in it's a conscious choice, which I'll come to. And that's kind of where I want to draw towards the fourth film. But I kind of like how it was a conscious effort and it was like you had to choose to enter the matrix to uphold the matrix or to break free from the matrix so i was really really impressed by it like you say the 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 mixture um and even when even when we were watching it again leading up to um watching the most recent matrix resurrections we even mentioned how a lot of them, especially Agent Smith and even with Neo, when they would fight with each other, it felt very anime, mm. right? The most dangerous characters in an anime barely have to move their head when they're in battle, right? Like uh, it was like a mixture of Kung Fu, it was a mixture of anime, it was a mixture of, you know, a, a whole litany of what the world has to offer. So even from a storytelling point of view, it was interesting. And th- there were so many elements that made the first film so great mm. and then we move into the second film so again like I like I mentioned I did watch interviews um, specifically with Lana Wachowski and we'll come to that but I guess just staying in what we knew and what we consumed it as how did you feel about the second film did it kind of feel like the second season of The Wire when we watched it for the first time no weirdly not i think the first time i watched the second one reloaded i enjoyed it i loved it um the white dready agents i felt it i was like you know people were having a laugh about it is the matrix the only place you'll allow white dreads (laughs) (laughs) I, i fucking loved it and i think when i watched it just a few days ago it's sort of this is why i hate going back to things that i thought i loved because I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And <laughs> it didn't resonate. And having even, you know, this is first impression. I know we, we we're going to talk about what the creator thought about all this, but. Oh, that was, that was very dogma of you, the creator. <laughs> Actually, no, that's very on theme for the second film as well. Yes, continue. And I thought, okay, I, I can hear your words, but I couldn't see it. And it just felt so taken away uh-huh. from what I love from the first one. And I fucking hate myself for that because I think growing up, I always held us, oh, Matrix is one of my favorites because I loved pretty much all three Yeah. on the first watch, even the second watch, because I've watched it multiple times. Okay, bro. <laughs> and, 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 this is what, and this is why it's so infuriating to me. Yeah, yeah. Because having watched it just a few weeks ago, it's changing my perception of what I thought was um an undeniable sort of great work of a trilogy that worked together to something that i'm i'm a bit hmm, shaken on friends and lovers sometimes the psa's are directed to you but perhaps the psa was directed at ot it's okay to be wrong it's okay to have yourself challenged by cinema it's fine but not at the expense of of and, and I think we've had these discussions before, you know, um, should rewatching a movie make it ele- elevate it to, you know, a better higher rating than you initially watched it, you know, the first time. Mm-hmm. And to me, I've always been on the side of uh, at the first watch. It should give me a sense of, you know, something of give me an emblance of greatness in its first interaction with me, you know. But if I missed that on the first one, which I didn't because I thought Reloaded and Revolutions were pretty good. Mm. Until I rewatched him when I'm much, much older now. You've been jaded by the world. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I think your your Matrix plug outlet has been uh, used a bit too much, eh? 
Yeah, and, and it just saddens me to an extent. But I, I would also say on this, because we watched Mortal Kombat, the OG Mortal Kombat, and you had so much fun with that. But also in this sense, just because you really loved something when you first watched it and you don't necessarily love it as much now, it doesn't take away from that experience, I would say. I think it tarnishes it for me a for bit because if, if, if I was in a question, someone's like, oh... Hey, do you name some of your favorite movies? And I'm like rethinking everything that I'm that I've rewatched. I can't put The Departed. I can't put The Matrix because you know it's first infuriating. Yeah, I suppose. But I I didn't really like the second film. I didn't really like the third film. I, On the fast watch. Well, and 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 friends and lovers, you know, I'm still trying to decide how I feel about you know, releasing another cut, even though we understand the circumstances around Snyder not being able to finish the Justice League. And I think between OT and I, we can agree that the Snyder cut is much better than the Whedon cut, Mm. right? I don't give a lot of, I, I guess I consider it, I guess I'm conscious of it, but the the end result is the end result. I, I don't tend to spend a lot of time giving tax to circumstances, but I will lay them here because what was laid out in the first film of The Matrix was the control in the Wachowskis' hands, being allowed to create what they wanted to and the vision that they had set out. The second film felt like there was some... Interference. Absolutely. And mm. the, the, uh, as far as I understand, like anything in, in work sort of circumstances where someone else is bankrolling whatever you're working on, there is that sense of obligation. There is that sense of having mainstream appeal. There is, or maybe just people, people just like having perfume sex orgy scenes, huh. right? There are a lot of tits. There are a lot of ass. Like, cool, fine. Give me a Spartacus, but give me also a storyline as well. So if we're talking about the overarching storytelling in the second film, I really enjoyed it. But a lot of it got diluted by unnecessary scenes and unnecessary characters that we were following. But again, I don't do it a lot, but I do give graces to the Wachowskis because, you know, maybe the world wasn't ready to accept the Matrix in its full form. Because you see a lot of androgyny in the first Matrix, right? Mm. And even with my 2020 eyes, you could see that there was straddling the heteronormative world and just unbridled love and passion. Like you could definitely see the, the duality between those worlds in the original Matrix. But the second film, I do feel um, fell victim to it. I do like the idea of questioning the powers that be being the Oracle. I really enjoyed that because I'm all about like, <laughs> holding institutions to account. I really enjoyed that. Um, but again, I just think it got diluted. If we're talking about the actual storytelling and, and seeing what the potential could be, if I could be KT Gordon Ramsay, all of the elements were there, but they fucked it up. Like it just like didn't fully deliver itself. But I like the concept of the second film. Um, the third film, there, there really wasn't, it, it kind of got taken over a lot more, um, which was unfortunate. But shout outs to Nathaniel Leaves. And we recently saw him in The Legend of Baron Toa mm. as well. So shout outs to our Australian, New Zealand, Pacifica friends and lovers that understand that reference. Um, but as a trilogy, 
it was only really the first film. Like the first film is really the only film that stood on its own. And I think for a lot of the time, no one really paid attention to the second and third, which is really interesting to me. I didn't know you liked the second and third as much as you did um, because I certainly didn't. But the trilogy, it's the same thing like when I mentioned Godfather. I only really regard the first two Godfathers. When it came to the trilogy, I only really regarded the first one. I I see that. I see that now, but Mm -hmm. even when I was trying to get you to, you know, I think it was a few years back, I was like pushing you to start watching The Matrix. Mm -hmm. I was so excited for you to delve into the world, especially when, when, you know, when you go outside of the fast one, which is well-beloved and diving into the lesser loved ones and reloading revolutions. I was like, you know, be patient with it because I think there's something in there, Um, which is interesting because it wasn't that, well, maybe five years max, but having watched it now and, and, and looking at revelations, cause I, I struggled. I really struggled getting through it, even though I knew everything that happened. When I say nostalgia plays a big part in, in, in my everyday sort of enjoyment of something that I've watched before, especially in my childhood, mm-hmm. this is one of the most popular things. Yeah. And like th- it's, if you mention it to someone randomly, they're going to know about it and they're going to enjoy it and you're going to have yeah. a great discussion. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. A, it's a fucking classic conversation icebreaker, you know? Yeah. Or how, how, well, how much do you love Matrix Reloaded? You know, how much do you love Revolutions? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just why, are you, why are you releasing your audition tapes? <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, they casted Yaya. <laughs> I'm just... Like, and that's the struggle, right? Because you're sitting here and thinking that even having finished um, Revolutions, having watched Revolutions, I was like, it was arduous to a point. Uh-huh. It felt like a your classic money grab sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're investing in crypto, it felt like those sort of new coins that just, you know, pew, pew, a lot of social, so, and they rug pull you. It felt like that. I think you've been lost in the source, because I don't even understand what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I guess the trilogy was left alone. And then we come to Matrix Resurrections and the title is apt because Lana Wachowski talks about how she was dealing with the loss of multiple loved ones in her life. And, you know, Neo and Trinity, there was comfort in that. And she was starting writing. Lily didn't necessarily get involved in particular with this film um but it was it was a catharsis and it was it was her choice which is important to talk about right and that's kind of one of the themes that I want to come to um in a moment in regards to the meta timeline but we get (laughs) Matrix Resurrections and I think what is on everyone's hot little tongue and ear tips is how did you feel about Matrix Resurrections sir? They say time heals all wounds I think by the time this came about with all the sort of virtually the red online about people not wanting it back and tarnishing the matrix, uh-huh. I was eager to see what they're going to do with it. I was excited. I think, eh, fuck it. Hollywood, I was going to make money from shit. So might as well get your favorite IPs from your childhood back. I enjoyed it mm-hmm. to some extent, but I think having seen the, how the third one finished, I didn't know what they're going to do with it. You know, and having to bring him back with forgetting everything. I was like, I really don't like that sort of aspect. I feel like it's a crutch used so, so many times. Uh-huh. Maybe uh, That's the only gripe that I had with the movie, but every other bit, I think it was quite enjoyable. 
up until to a point where we had Trinity come back and she started flying. I was like, oh, fuck sakes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what did you even want then? I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. This should have been a soft insertion for you, considering... <laughs> Considering you're probably in the very rare um, minority that enjoy the second and third, this should have been a soft insertion for you. I know, I know it should have been easy. But I had, I had, I was sitting there thinking, oh, okay, uh, she's flying now? Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm a simple man, mate. <laughs> a simple man with short film concepts. Okay. Um, so I guess. Watching Matrix Res- Resurrections, I hadn't done a deep dive into interviews and that sort of thing in regards to Lana Wachowski and her goal and her vision um, behind The Matrix. However, being a film podcast for almost three years, um, I, I, w- I had a periphery of the fact that there was some sort of trans parallel to the matrix i didn't read into it because i didn't want to read into it just so i could watch the film eventually from when it was first announced um but in recent years that has been sort of the in the general sort of um periphery for all that are embedded in film so to speak and you know discussion and dialogue and that sort of thing so i didn't really know anything about it aside from reading a bit about the wachowskis However, if I have ever felt a washing over and a cleansing of my soul and being resurrected in cinema, this is where I found it. This is where I find my congregation. And this is why films are so fucking special and they're fucking great. And I, I'm not to the point where I need to mute the film bros. And even though OT is realizing that he is sentient, but albeit a film bro, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I loved everything about Matrix Resurrections. I, I every so often rewatch the scene where Bugs is talking to Neo about how the Matrix was something so special and they took it and they trivialized it. And, you know, there were so many themes that you could see resonated on levels that perhaps weren't for us specifically, but you know that it means so much. And we talk about, you know, the Tykerisms. Um, Jojo Rabbit didn't necessarily work for us, but in a lot of Taika Waititi's filmography, he doesn't show us the full gut punch. However, if you have the experience, you can fill in the gaps. And we also talk about, boy, they don't have, you know, it's a wonderful life, open punching kids in the face. But (laughs) when you're watching boy and, you know, if you're like me and you can fill in those gaps, it resonates all the way without having to show it on screen. Right. This is where we enter the Wachowskiisms, because when you watch the Matrix films, perhaps the inferior second and third, but when you watch the Matrix films, there is there is so much consideration to the world that has been created known as the Matrix that even if you aren't trans or part of the LGBT community, there are other layers that you can resonate with. If you're just, hey, cool, bro, take a pill, go into computer land, then fine. That is absolutely fine as well. But I can only imagine how much healing and how much it meant to trans people to watch 
the Matrix films and then see it crumble before their eyes by people that only wanted to take it on surface level. And that's what it was. So, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. And it was a merry-go-round and I've watched it three times. And I just, I, I, I just, this is, this is the perfect, lovely, beautiful thing that I love about cinema, period. Full okay. stop. I, I, I love the, the aspect of, Having a group, having a community, rally behind it, and getting messaging and you know representation. We know that it's key. We've always screamed at the top of our lungs. I get that aspect of it. I hear an OT, but no, 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 no. But if you had not told me, because I don't go looking for what the creator says or what they thought the messaging that they're trying to deliver. I've done that very few times. I think Enemy is one of the ones that I just had to go and look what the creator actually thought he was doing. Uh-huh. So for Matrix, I never bothered. I took it as, you know, as you'd call me, a surface, you know, a film bro, surface level, you know, sort of kind of well, guy. yeah, yeah, verbalize that, sir. <laughs> cool. But if you had not mentioned that there's an added layer of, uh, of transgender um, community or representation in the mm-hmm. movie, I would have never picked it up. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. So that, that's what I'm saying. So there's the Tykerisms and there's the Wachowskiisms, where even if you don't have that experience, you can still resonate with it. But it's going to hit more if you do have that experience. That's what I'm saying. Cool. Uh, and we, I think we watched. You told me that I think after we'd finished watching the watching the first one, uh-huh. and I started going back through all the scenes and trying to make sense of it because I couldn't still understand. How you know, and you know, Katie is patient, she walked me through it. Are you uh, <laughs> <laughs> is this the equivalent of you being Tom Hanks in the Da Vinci Code and you're trying to g- gain the meaning of the Matrix? <laughs> you're gonna look for some symbols, OT. They caught his apple, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what the <hell> guy? <laughs> but the point, the point of what I'm saying, OT, is you know. It's, it's for everyone to enjoy, but it's not going to resonate as much for you. Mm. But that doesn't mean that the film isn't bad. That doesn't mean it's withholding the story. That's just layers, bro. Cool. And I'm, I'm all for layers. I'm all for um, layers that maybe I'm, I couldn't decipher or even pick up in the movie. And that's fine. Well, I guess um, if we want to straddle something <laughs> a bit more lighter... Let's talk about the casting mm. um, in Matrix Resurrections. Do, does any of your abacus equations equal Yaya to Lawrence Fishburne? I'm not sure what the, the, what the Yaya direction. Uh, it felt weird. But can we just say he's had a lot of iconic roles within the last two years. Yeah, he can't, can't be Morpheus and Candyman in the same year. And Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, fair enough to him, I think. He did fine, but Morpheus in my head was all the oh, older gentleman, you know, uh, yeah. the wise guy. He is young. There was a bit too much pep. There was a bit too much pep. Um, mm. Lawrence Fishburne played it very straight, which was very interesting because um, Hugo Weaving played Smith very straight, but somehow that nostril digging worked between the two of them. Usually there's a there's a sort of shift, but both of them played it very straight. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not necessarily 
I don't know. I, I'm still scratching my head. Like it's not to do anything with like talent and acting ability, but I just don't agree. But I really enjoy Jonathan Groff um, as Smith. You would think that you would want a Hugo Weaving performance, but somehow our spitting king man from <laughs> Hamilton um, was able to completely take me away. No, um, he brings it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But just generally, I really enjoyed Matrix Resurrections. I think we don't really do it a lot, not numerical-wise, but where would you, what would be your top to bottom of these films? Oh, top would definitely be the first one, Matrix, um, the OG. It's one of the best. And Resurrection would come in second because the second and the third one, I still think, even despite the fact you've told me about what all, what what the meaning is or what the messaging was meant to be, I still couldn't really see that to a completion or or take into the aspect of how the second one was so much action scenes. It felt weird, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Resurrection will come in second because I think it's it's it, it did a good job in 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 just from a standard movie storyline perspective. Uh-huh. And it would follow with my thought would be revolutions and then reloaded okay i'm the same for you but i would swap reloaded and revolutions reloaded will be your second your third yes oh you like your white dready people eh <laughs> and because we won't spend a lot of time on it i feel like we're going to spend more time with the first and fourth film um i want to hashtag justice for Locke because i really liked Locke and i don't think he gets his due Locke was a dickhead you're a dickhead how about that <laughs> <laughs> you want to bring some rudimentary commentary? There you go, sir. No, I you like. You know what Locke. Locke is? Yes, I've got, you're wagging that finger at me again. Yes, Locke is 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 the is the African leader appointed by the British colony, happy to serve <laughs> the people while still being oppressed, and he's like, "But we're doing well. Let's not rattle the nest." What do you mean you want to be free? Freedom. What do you mean? I'm, 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 I'm the boss. I'm getting my pay, you know? Wow. Let's, let's, let's store the common line. Let's keep the status quo. That is fucking Locke. Locke is the problem. And people like Locke are the problems in society. Fucking rot fuckers. I'm just saying. How dare you? <laughs> Usually colonization is in my deck of cards, but there you go, OT. Um, well, I can't really fucking fight you on that, right? Yeah, Locke is a problem. He gave that energy to Naomi in Resurrections. I'm like, mate! <laughs> <laughs> well, what I will say is Morpheus would never listen to anyone and that's always going to be a problem in a particular operation. And he never really, I don't know, Morpheus reminded me of Raiden um, from Mortal Kombat. Like, what is your purpose, bro? Either help or piss off. But Morpheus was helping. It's supposed you, you're, you're talking he about was Locke. helping. You're saying who he was helping. He was trying to be, bring the people of Zion to their feet to fight. To believe in something, you know? Uh, uh, did you not cry when he made his speech and reloaded? Don't what, worry you about it. <laughs> Mind your business. <laughs> I'm just saying, Locke was happy to maintain status quo. Not, let's not rattle. It's working. This for for peace is, is fine by me, you know? And to what degree? And to what, you know? And, and I believe generally Morpheus was trying to shock the system and that's that's a very good thing. Yeah, absolutely. But that's only in the instance that he's right. 
Morpheus will never Morpheus will never fall in line unless he's the one at the helm. Do, do but you, that's a different. No, d- let's not turn this into a militant film discussion because that's not where I want to go. But you've said a couple of things, and I'm gonna need to pull you up on it. And anyone else that is fighting with these qualms, there is the the component of expectation. Just because it has now been shared that there is more than surface level to the film it doesn't take away from what you experience in the film not you necessarily because we've we've tried to katie um bobby brown exorcist that toxic masculinity out of ot (laughs) but there is this toxicity of oh this is for trans people fuck that this is my film and it's like no (laughs) no (laughs) fuck off Films don't fucking belong to you. Uh, Especially if they weren't for you, you fuckers. Fuck off. <laughs> Again, it's fine for people to perceive how they, the movie, how they want to perceive it. Uh-huh. Regardless of what the creator's intentions are or not. You know, when we're watching, uh, you brought up a lot of uh, Tigerisms. But when we, when he was talking about, Judge and Robbie didn't sit well with us. But his intentions were fucking different, you know? It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, people are going to have their own perceptions of things, and that's just a fact. And and here is what we come to. Here is what we come to, OT. Um, with a dodgy Google search and watching half of a 20-minute YouTube video, OT, I am going to attempt to explain deconstruction to you, OT. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly all of the threads all of the James Cameron in some day we're going to have Avatar 2 tentacles, right? Yeah. So there is the Matrix films. Mm -hmm. Where does the meaning lie? Does it lie in the films as an entity? Does it lie in the Wachowskis that wrote it? Or does it lie in the audience that consume it? Where does the meaning lie? And that hopefully, friends and lovers, will whet your palate to the understanding of Matrix, the Matrix as a concept. Lana Wachowski talks about the trilogy of the films, how they had a purpose. They set out to do it. And I guess depending on how you feel, you agree or you scorn it. But essentially the first film, and this was very interesting because I didn't even realize this either, but Lana Wachowski talks about how, you know, people talk about the Matrix as society, as the rules, culturally, religiously, whatever it is. These are, these are what we are bound by as humans. But she was perplexed that people didn't even apply that to films because essentially films are little matrixes whether you buy into it or not when you watch a film when you watch a tv show you are introduced to the premise of it the rules are explained to you and how the characters are bound by those rules so even films are a microcosm of the matrix right Agreed, yeah okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> our, our residential farting straight man on Q Force representative. Thank you very much. So so that is the matrix, right? So it's it's literal input to our ears and our eyes and hopefully our hearts. We just sit there and accept whatever the film tells us, right? And that's supposed to also mirror Neo's experience throughout the trilogy. The second film is okay, we've got these set rules. Now we question them. Why is it set up this way? Where is the power shifting? Who benefits 
from the rules being set that way, right? So that's us as an audience. That's also as Neo as well. And it, it really becomes that dynamic sort of shift. Whether you felt that, and I guess that's what, what OT is saying, whether you felt that watching the film, that was the intention of it. And then the third film is Breaking Free of the Matrix, right? And that's that's kind of the the sort of trajectory that we're looking at at the three films. And it was really interesting because I, again, I didn't think of films as a matrix, but it's true. Whether you buy into the rules or not, you sit there, you get shoveled shit and you enjoy shit. Sorry, did you say Marvel? Uh, <laughs> I thought <laughs> you keep you keep asking for fan service. I thought I heard Marvel, oh, wow. um, but I really. Obviously, it, it doesn't change the way I feel about the second and third film, but it really does help to, you know, fill in the gaps of the intentions and it, unfortunately creativity being stifled for whatever reason, right? Mm. And I guess, you know, maybe for no reason, but for all of the reasons, Issa Rae was eventually given free reign and she could create five seasons of a show that she loves and she's proud of in Insecure. Yeah, and... She was proud and she knew what she wanted to deliver and she refused when they wanted to control her into the sort of into the mainstream sort of mindset of who she should cast or Yeah, but you also need to have power and it also needs to be beneficial in dollar signs from a network point of view. It's the same thing when like Academy Awards or award bodies pat themselves on the back for having the first black, the first Asian, and it's like that's embarrassing. Like if it's taken the 2020s to have this milestone, then that's fucking shame on you. Right. So it's what I'm saying is sometimes creativity gets stifled. Hopefully we get to a point where we can have, you know, more unbridled, fully realized storytelling. But I do feel like um, a lot of the Matrix trilogy was stifled by it. So I want to talk about, and we kind of already have been talking about, but I want to talk about Matrix as a concept. Mm, I agree with you. Like books, movies, all mini Matrixes. You know, we were set up this world and we live by the laws of that world. But when you brought up the deconstruction theory, in my mind, and hopefully a lot of people would agree with this, whatever movie you watch, it's up to the audience on what the meaning lies. Because you could have movies like Cuties that had oh. their own fucking intentions. Do we have to have movies thought, like Cuties? Like, it's, it's, it's the perfect example of it, isn't it? The creator had one thing in mind, but the audience was like, what the fuck? Or at least most of the audience. You are talking about African chicken Georges. You are talking <laughs> about vulnerable young girls. How, what am I supposed to say to that? I'll give you an example of, I know. of where the power lies in terms of the messaging. Mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel some very strong man holding right now. Man strong arming me, but it's okay. No, no, but it, it, it's true, you know, um, and words mean a lot. Whatever you put out there, people will consume it differently. Uh-huh. And you cannot say, oh, your intention, come back and say, oh, this is the meaning all along. Fine, I can and I, I can accept that, I can understand. And I, I, even at some point, I could go back and revisit it and see maybe, oh, I picked this nugget up, which I missed initially, you know, uh-huh. and, and that's the whole fun of movies and, and storytelling. Um, I love what the, the Wachowskis have done with this. Uh-huh. And hearing them talk about 
them being either being stifled and not being able to tell the story the way they wanted it's sad it is sad because i think maybe but even then they're not outrightly saying it but yeah it's it's, it's insinuated yeah it's insinuated, heavily insinuated. But even if you pull the quotes of the first Matrix, which I'm not going to do now, but feel free to do a Google search. There was a lot of dialogue of, you know, we don't belong here. Only if you belong here, you'll be safe and that sort of thing. There was a talk about vulnerability for people and it was there, but it wasn't hitting you over the face. Mm. Right. So mm. I, I I like it. I, I like it. I like that it sits with me as well. Um, I want to go to the next theme and it's the meta timeline. And we've kind of already talked about it. And I guess, you know, you can really just talk about it in Matrix Resurrections, but you're kind of missing the whole picture because I guess, well, how did you feel about the meta timeline in Matrix Resurrections before I go on my Katie Brovlosky rant? I think it was a bit too overhanded. They overused that so much. Katie Brovlosky rant loading. No, but like, keep like going. every aspect was like, oh, we're the brothers of love. Like, we owe oh, Matrix. Now we're going to do. Come on now. It felt a bit too much in your face. Being self aware is fucking key. But throwing, out, throwing it in every fucking sentence is, is a problem. Well, that was Space Jam. That wasn't necessarily this film. I, fe- I no, don't agree. Don't you think they did it too much? Well, I, let's just say this. The first. Like the first sort of 40 minutes of the film, I didn't think I was going to get anything out of this. And I think I cried like three, four times separately throughout the rest of the film (laughs) because I felt so much watching this film. But yeah, that felt very on the nose to me. But once you realize it's it's kind of like the greater early seasons of community, right? No, it's like everyone wants to be fucking community now. But what you don't understand is... In this case, Warner Brothers is a machine and it's going to continue to churn out these sequel babies, these reboot babies, these remake babies. And in recent memory, there are only two great examples of me um, witnessing the success of trying to revive something. And that's this Matrix Resurrections and it's the Chucky TV show. There's been so many duds in in trying to revive stuff. Whether it's a money grab, whether there's an earnest attempt, I think Will Smith's Bel Air kind of straddles both of them, but I guess (laughs) time will tell. But I understood what was happening there. And that's when we get that really emotional scene between Bugs and Neo saying they trivialized it in a game. So much meaning, so much hurt for so many people. And they turned it into something so fucking trivial. You know, I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And it's, it's not even one of those, I'm not Adam McKay and fucking don't look up. I'm not saying you didn't enjoy it because you don't fucking understand it. Cause that's, that's some highbrow snobby snootery that I'm not into, right? I'm a wanker. I'm not a snob though. Um, but what I will say is it hit me in all of the levels that I needed to feel in any good film that I enjoy. And the meta timeline, I think worked very well because you know, it couldn't be done again. And, you know, Lana Wachowski talks about it as well. Very cutely shading anything that they did in the first Matrix has been done so many times by other people. So there's no way they could have done it in Matrix Resurrections. Even when you see the fighting scenes, they're different, right? The, The revolutionizing of a mixture of fighting styles that we see in the first Matrix, so many films you can think of at the top of your head has picked up off of that. Shout out to Chad Stahelski for seeing him, the handsome Chad of it all 
OT in his snotty Reddit corners of the world. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed the meta timeline. From a storytelling point of view, it was interesting because it was something different. When we saw the scene with Trinity, I was like, okay, even when Yaya, um, sorry, Loose Pill Pocket Morpheus was, he was essentially saying the same lines because we had watched the first one very close, you know, essentially every night until we watched Resurrections. So that dialogue was exactly the same. And I'm like, are we literally going to get a make for make? like film again and then we see bugs right and it kind of it turns a shift so we're seeing the film that we know that we've known for decades but we're getting a spin to it right i enjoyed that component of it from a storytelling point of view and also from just a commentary point of view of how much of a legacy matrix has had on everyone i get a point of view and i think it's my second favorite in the franchise, so mm-hmm. goes to show you that it had some coherent storyline. I did enjoy it to some extent. I guess um, just going back to that question, because it is an interesting question about where does the meaning lie? For you, does, does it depend on the piece of art? Is it on a case-by-case basis? Where, where do you think the meaning lies? I think that meaning sits with the audience and how they consume whatever story. I think the creator can be um can use their tools uh for storytelling that would uh-huh. convey what they want to but best case scenario is everyone gets it or most of the people get it sometimes if it's not as clear or it, you know if it if it requires some deeper level of of digging to get the meaning then most people would not get it would miss it so to me the meaning comes from the people watching it and how they consume it and how they take it based off their experiences, based off words on whatever moment or whatever, even the mood they're in when consuming it plays a part. Mm. So it's it's a huge variable. The creator can can mold and, and try as much as possible to have this meaning. And, and be it that they, you know, release it 20 years after the fact and they say, oh, this is what we meant all along. Fair enough. But I think most of the time people would take their own meanings and say, oh, this is what he meant. And, you know, and the classic example of this is is the Bible. You have people writing wow. all the old <laughs> stories. And at the end of the day, you have different people pulling out yeah. their own passages to pass out their own meanings and to rally people behind that. So it's all a tool, man. And I think it also talks about like ownership, right? Like once something is released, does it still does the ownership sit with those that are consuming it? In, in, I hate to mention the biggest Horcrux, but I would say Harry Potter lives in the power of the fans that enjoy Harry Potter because it means so much and you don't necessarily want to give power to she who shall not be named, mm. right? So I, I get what you're saying, but it's, it's definitely an interesting um, sort of morsel and maybe we'll chew on it offline if you're nasty. But it's it's definitely something that's interesting. But um, you did mention something that I, I don't necessarily agree with about. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very rare. Um, just about the fact that storylines that just get created, the meta timeline is a response to how the world received the Matrix trilogy. Which could have been done in a sentence. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think so. I think I think it was clever the way that Matrix Resurrections did it. There was there was a very conscious sense of we put our baby out there and you unfortunately toddled and tiara'd it. 
Um, so it, it can only have existed in the time that it was released and it was in response to, it became bigger than Ben-Hur, Matrix, when it was such an insular resonating sort of premise. And again, like even just me simply I resonated on it as well because there are so many constraints that we have in our day-to-day and how we conduct ourselves. Do we want to continue it? Is that what we want to do? And it becomes a conscious decision. So I really enjoyed that. Cool. I can't argue with that. I think you've watched it three times now. Yeah. So I've only watched it once. And for my taking, it was a bit overused. I got it and I felt like, cool, you know what? Move on from it. But if if I needed to rewatch it to appreciate it more, maybe that's just the case. Yeah, but you don't have to. Like, you watch it the way you want to. Um... Because the power is in the people! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so sorry to tell you, OT, but Daniel Kaluuya was casted for Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm, I'm sorry they didn't I'm tell you. I'm shooting my shot, come on. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> I'm sorry they didn't tell you that they've already filmed it and released it. (laughs) Friends and lovers. Uh, This was a very um, Matrix Resurrections take um, on the Matrix films this week. Um, I don't know. Like, we definitely could have talked about characters. We could have talked about the slick fighting choreography. Um, but this is definitely where I wanted to stay because there's so much layers, there's so much complexity. And, you know, you love Black Mirror so much. We both love, well, particularly the earlier seasons of Black Mirror. And this is essentially a real-life Black Mirror. It is a commentary about modern consumption, about wanting more and getting frustrated when your fan service doesn't get delivered straight to your love places i don't fully agree with that because i don't think you see as much depth as i do in this film fair enough i think to me at the very least i felt like two and three were super commercialized be it they have meaning or other hidden messages fine i can accept that but all that comes after the fact Uh at least in my watching experience and I'd need to sit with that and to start and see, okay, so the next time I watch Matrix, I'll have this in mind. And I'd have a different sort of lens watching it or I'll be looking for different things. You know what, OT? Like, you're the kid in the playground that comes with a William Regal four-ring knuckle. Like, I'm here being really open saying, if you don't understand it, that's not why you didn't enjoy it. And you're just like, I have to like it the first time! <laughs> No, don't. No, you're coming with me with an energy that, A, I need to understand this based off the creator's words after the fact. While I spent whatever it is, whatever it's her movie, it's her IP, fair enough. But the messaging is out there for people who watched it ages ago who took it in a different way. And that's not a bad thing. And I, me having to sit and rewatch so that I can understand where that is coming from after the fact, it's not an issue. But that's not what I said, bro. So what are you saying? I'm not saying that everyone has to toe a line or everyone has to understand or or, or accept whatever the creator says. No, because I'm saying I enjoyed it even without doing all of that research. Fine. And it was fun. And like I told you, the second and third movies in the franchise were one of my favorites. Like... I think even in one of the episodes in in our in our earlier podcast, I've referenced 
reloaded a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not me saying that I don't like it or I hate it. No, I loved the franchise. Mm. It's only became an issue when I had to sit down and rewatch the whole thing. I was like, hey, this is not as good as I thought it was. Yeah, no, I get it. But I think what I what I'm trying to say is you love you love Black Panther, right? It's the first episode on our hundred plus podcast that we have. Yeah. So how would you rate it out of ten just to humor us? Probably a, a nine. Okay. What if you found out Wakanda was based in Kenya? A ten. Well there you go, friends. And lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is where you also take a bit of uh, of the messaging and the context and what, what Black Panther, I think, was at the forefront was more than just what was on the storyline or what was just being yeah, said. But, th- but that's the Kuglerisms of it all. That's what I'm saying. So if you have a particular frame of reference, it's going to hit you more than it's going to hit other people, but it doesn't mean that it can't be enjoyed by all. You couldn't just you couldn't just let me have my sixty minute journalism, couldn't no, no, you? No, 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 not at my expense. <laughs> okay. I won't have that because at the end of the day, I did love the franchise. I still love, semi love the franchise, and I thought Re- Resurrections was quite enjoyable. You threw African dictators at me. You threw protecting vulnerable young girls at me. Let me have my <laughs> moment. Let me have my fucking moment. That was just me painting a picture that the creator's message doesn't mean shit when it hits the audience's ears. Because at the end of the day, it's them that you have to translate it into whatever resonates, resonates with them. But that's a philosophical debate because it's there's no right or wrong answer. The highway to hell, mate, paved by good intentions or intentions nonetheless. Doesn't mean shit. I'm just saying. And this, friends and lovers, is what happens when you get straights trying to discuss the complexities of a world that wasn't theirs. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> You've got last word man syndrome, don't you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Can I plug out and never plug into this matrix again, this OT matrix? <laughs> plug out, mate. <sighs> Feel free to continue in OT's matrix. We're going to finish off in a segment we call For Your Reference, OT. Having had everything that was said today, I want to give everyone a homework. Go read what the creator says about this movie, what they wanted and what the message they wanted to put forth, and then rewatch The Matrix. And hopefully we can all be in the nirvana that is in KT right now. Look at OT, breaking the four-year reference matrix. Yeah. Uh, I am going to reference a very recent watch for us, and I'm sure will be a upcoming episode, Doom Patrol. Nice. Danny Street um, is the safe word, friends and lovers. Um, if you'd like to know OT safe word on Twitter and Instagram, we're at for your F pod. Write us an email at hello at podcast.com. We're also on Did You Know Insanity and Love Have the Same Pattern podcast if you'd like to leave a rating and review. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye.